Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Actor, writer, and producer Tom Malloy, along with his company Trick Candle Productions, are known for their quality, independent films that span a variety of genres. Tom has most recently produced Screamers, a horror film that was in theaters in April of 2018 and was twice called the best found footage movie of all time, as well as Shattered, starring Roy Wise and Molly Burnett, Hero of the Underworld, starring Malloy, Nicole Fox, and Quentin Aaron, and Fairhaven, released theatrically in February of 2017, then to Showtime, starring Tom Wopat and Michael Grant. Malloy's unique ability to both write projects and raise the funding for them has been a primary factor in the success of the company. Malloy also is the president and co-founder of Glass House Distribution, an independent film distribution company that launched in 2015 and reps films and documentaries across all genres. And Carol, you and Tom teach the intentional filmmaking class together, right? Oh, yes, Claire. We have so much fun working with filmmakers, and we have a lot of success stories, right, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love seeing that. My favorite part is getting those update emails and seeing, you know, what happens and where where they're going with their films. It's it's the greatest. Yeah, definitely. It's it's fantastic. All over the world, too. People join us from Russia and Thailand (laughs) and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you, Tom. What we want to cover today are two main things. Um, First what distributors want from independent filmmakers, and what are the benefits of going to the American film market in November each year. And let's start with distribution. So tell me about Glass House Distribution and why you named it that. Oh, great. Well, you you know, it was um, an investor that I had worked with in the past, and he was interested. He was dabbling in film. A guy named Brian Glass. He's a, he's a Wall Street uh, broker dealer, and he um, approached me. And you know, from his kind of analytical viewpoint, and it was it happened to be correct. He deduced that distribution was, you know, maybe the safest area as far as you know people putting their money into into uh, the film business. And so he came to me and, and asked if I'd like to do it. And I said, you know, sure. I said as long as you know, I I, I want to make sure I'm treating filmmakers fairly. So. You know, I kind of designed all the contracts up front to be very much slanted to the filmmakers because, you know, obviously being a filmmaker. And what has happened is that the the name Glasshouse, you know, even though it's Brian's last name, has become this double entendre of like a glass house where you could see everything going on inside. So we're fully transparent. And then we kind of pride ourselves on that, that no matter what film, and we have, you know, 30 films in our library now, you could you could pick up the phone and, and call or, or text me or text Rob or Michelle and that, now we have four employees um, and it's, so it's grown in about two and two two and a half years uh, we just keep getting bigger and bigger so um, yeah it's it's going very well. 
Oh, that's excellent. So, um, so now I have some questions that people would want to know. Like, do distributors sure. normally take all types of film, like docs, features, mm-hmm. and most genres? Well, yes. I mean, you know, there's, there's, it, 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 it obviously depends on a, a bunch of factors. Um, there's some that will distribute and or sell and or sell just a certain genre of film. Like um, we have friends that always seem to be right next to us in the placement of the booth at can and uh, an AFM called high octane, really nice people um, and high octane just as action movies. You know what I mean? Like, so they, uh, that's who you go or you go to the asylum for that type of movie. Like there's some people there that only do a certain type of movie, but I would say for the most part, distributors and sales agents are open to all kinds of movies as long as they're really good, you know, and if they have cast in them um, and cast could even mean documentaries, you know, like some, some recognizable faces or a recognizable narrator um, that obviously makes a big difference. And so, you know, it's, it's really like we're, we call ourselves genre agnostic. Like we'll take any genre of film um, as long as it meets our qualifications. And um, that's, that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of the, the, the thing that most of the distributors do to make sure that they can sell what they're taking in. Yeah. Yes, because then they go to one client and they have a whole bag of tricks of, of different genres and different types of films. So I would think that mm-hmm. that would be beneficial to both sides. Um, yeah. So, all right, so the first thing is if the film is good, you know they will want it. And if it has mm-hmm. a recognizable cast, that is a, a high selling point. And that could even yep. help your docs, right, if your cast has a name or your, your voiceover. You know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and again, it doesn't have to because we just took on a documentary this year called Reinventing Rosalie about this woman that's a hundred year old woman that kind of, uh, you know, took control of her life and was in the the Holocaust and everything and a survivor and then came out and does, you know, beauty competitions and ballroom dancing and (laughs) uh, Alaskan dog sledding. It's a great, and it's it's a great film. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a hundred by the way. And she, um, the film has won 36 awards at film festivals. So, and I think it's in, it's been in something like 80. <laughs> so there's so many laurels and so many awards on this movie that it was just a no-brainer for us to take it. So, you know, it was, it was and, great and, for us to, you know, pick it up and tell. And they came to you after they had started winning awards uh, in film festivals? Yeah. Yes. She had made the film um, and started taking it around, and she met us in Cannes. And, I mean, that, that gives you a good idea of the, um, sometimes the, I guess the timeline of everything. She met us in Cannes. She went to the market, in, which is in May, and, and tried to meet distributors and clicked with us right away. And then we kind of negotiated the deal and finalized the deal maybe about a month, month and a half ago. So, it, you know, so that's kind of an idea of the lifeline timeline. And so we're preparing all the materials and all that, and she's got to deliver the film to us, which she's mostly done. And now we take that to the American film market in November, and now we'll sell it as one of our main, you know, new films. Oh, good. That, yeah, yeah, that sounds excellent. Okay, so in other words, uh, and that's a documentary, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you, and, and just to answer your question, specifically the filmmakers, it's, you know, the key is, yes, it's cast is, an, obviously great film is one thing, uh, or great documentary. Cast is also a major thing. Um, festival award is another thing. 
And one other thing that I just want to make sure I mention is it has to be within the last couple of years. Like I know just from my company that it's very tough for us to sell, you know, like a friend of mine, a filmmaker friend who, I mean, we've, we've kind of uh, worked, done, done things together, done projects together. And it's like, you know, basically asked me to sell his movie that was from 2008. And, you know, I said to him, I go, I wish I could, I'd love to, I, you know, I'd love to do you that favor. So they can't, it's, people are not going to get, they're not going to, uh, you know, I've had buyers literally IMDb the film right in front of me, and if it's anything more than two years old, they're just not interested in it. So I'm not saying that no distributor will take it. If somebody listening is sitting on a film from, say, 2015, I'm not saying that no distributors will take it, but I'm just saying that, you know, for our purposes, it's got to be more recent, and you're, you're in much better shape getting a distributor within the first year to two years of the movie. So you really have to focus. Once your film is finished and you put it in a film festival, you have to find that distributor. If they don't come to you, you have to find them, right? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Okay. So then, all right, so most... Uh, most filmmakers would be, what would they do? I mean, they get started, they look online, they uh, find distributors that are online, or let's go, uh, let's go to AFM and let's say that you have a film and you want to go to AFM and take it there. Let's tell them what to do when, when they walk into an office. How, do, how can they be professional when they walk into AFM and, so that they can get in and look professional, even though it's their first film? What, how can yeah. they address this? Well, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of experience here. This will be my 13th year in a row going to the American film market. So I've been going wow. for a while. And, yeah, and I've seen different changes there. But I will say that, you know, you have to understand as a filmmaker is that they, the good news is is that distributors are looking for movies. You know, it may, they may not be looking for your movie specifically, but they are always looking for movies. And, you know, the, the person you want is the acquisitions person. So if you're going into the American film market, you're walking into that office saying, um, are you guys looking for movies? Or, you know, and if somebody says, oh, we're just, you know, they, we're, we're doing sales, um, then you could say, well, can I get the business card or can I talk to the person who's in charge of acquisitions? You know, and that's where you go from there. But I just to kind of lay out the, so that everybody understands the way the market works, um, and it really is, I mean, the easiest way to describe it is kind of like a trade show. Uh, and what it is is that, you know, you, you have two hotels, basically the Lowe's Hotel, which is the main one, and the Marigo, which is next door in Santa Monica. And all the film companies come there, and rent out a room. Like, we're room 640. And there's, you know, some people are sharing rooms. Uh, some people are on the any floor below four is, like, little mini office suites. And, um, you know, I, I pride ourselves on first year that we did it, we were on, the you know, the 300, which is, a you know, a off, mini office suite. And we're just starting to build. And then we've moved to, you know, a shared office suite and then a share, um, shared office suite uh, that was on the seventh floor. And now this year we have a big, our own office, big office on the, on the sixth floor. So we're growing each time. But, you know, you'll, you'll be able to tell the size of the company kind of by the size of their offices. So some of the places are gigantic. You know, they've rented out these gigantic suites to, to, to put all their films in. So inside those suites, we have our posters up. We're running trailers on a TV monitor. And, you know, we ha- we're taking meetings. So the first three days of AFM, our company is focused primarily 
in the you know in the high 90s on only taking meetings with buyers. You know, a Japanese buyer walks in, me saying, I'm looking for horror films for Japan. And we show them horror films, we show them some trailers, or we say, oh, we don't have any, or, you know, whatever, and we just kind of make the connection. But, you know, these are meetings that we're setting up. I just looked, I think it was yesterday, and I think we have 44 meetings already set up. And I'm like, all right, I want to double that by the time we get there, you know, which is about two weeks from now. So, um, you know, one can film festival, we did 121 meetings. And, oh you know, so that's <laughs> Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. And, you know, so then after those first three, four days, then the filmmakers started coming in and then, you know, the distributors start to take pitches. So just for the filmmakers out there, try not to go in. You don't want to walk in on the first day or two to these sales offices because at this point they're pitching the buyers. They're trying to sell their stuff that they've already signed. Um, You may get lucky, but it's probably better to wait and wait till like day four and then go in and start, you know, and that's when they're taking pitches. Towards the end of the market, yeah, we'll be meeting with filmmakers left and right. Um, but in the beginning, you know, it's, it's mostly we're focusing on buyers. So that's, that's how, that's kind of the layout. Wow, that's very important to know. So isn't there a back-end yeah. pass or a back, yeah. what is the pass called yeah. that you can buy for three I think days? It's called a back, yeah, I think it's called a back pass pass, and they're a back, yeah, like a, a back, whatever the heck it is. But bottom line is it starts on Halloween this year. Which uh, it's, it's the first year that I can remember it starting on actually Halloween because it's um, it always starts on the Wednesday. So, but this year Halloween just happens to be on a Wednesday. So, it's um, it, it starts that day. So you got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I believe the back half pass is from Sunday through Wednesday of the next week because it ends on the seventh, uh, which is yeah, it, you know, so that's a Wednesday. So it ends. Uh, so I'd say that yeah, it's probably the back half is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I really advise people to do Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Usually Wednesday, the joke is it's like a ghost town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's sagebrush floating down the hallways. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> there's just not much going on. I mean, and I truly mean that like half the, half the doors are closed. Like people have literally, I've, I've watched people pack their stuff Tuesday night, you know, and I'm like, oh, I guess you guys are leaving. And then they just leave. So uh, definitely try Monday, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Great. Okay, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, those are the days. And then, so what we're saying is that you you go in the door and you say, are you looking to buy movies? Are you looking to buy docs? One of the two. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and then you, uh, if they say, yes, we are, then you say, okay. And you get someone's business card and you ask to talk to the president of acquisitions. Yes, you know, and that point, by the way, a lot of times you can take meetings right there. And so what you could do is that you'll have a laptop or a, uh, an iPad and you can show the, the trailers right there. If, if I was to, you know, uh, my colleague, Michelle, who I think it's her 16th AFM, um, was, we were saying we should almost teach a like prep class on what you're supposed to do for AFM. Cause there's so many mistakes that I've seen, um, you know, one being they don't even have the trailer. Uh, but another one, somebody at can brought us and said, oh, I want to love to show you my trailer. And he had a DVD. <laughs> it's like, none of us have a DVD player anymore, like, in our laptops. <laughs> like, what the hell are we supposed to do? So I was like, I, I'd love to see it, but what, what can I do? Um, other people come in and say, oh, great, you, you want to pull it up on Vimeo, and they'll tell you the Vimeo address. That's another mistake. Um, the best thing to do is to have it ready. And not only to have it ready, have headphones. I usually have headphones and not earbuds because you don't want to think about how many people's ears have been on there. You know, the, the kind of headphones that go over your ears and have it ready and download it. You're not connecting to the internet because if you do that, 
a lot of times the internet in this in AFM and in um, can can be very shoddy. So you should have it locally on your iPad or your laptop. And so there, then there's no way um, it won't work, you know, and that's, that's the super prep person. They come in and they got the trailer. Sometimes they even have double sets of headphones with a splitter. Like that's really smart because then it's like, Oh, more than one person can watch this. And that's really great. So they'll come in and they'll show the trailer. Um, last year, it's an un- unfortunate, but I think AFM told people to just not show trailers and bring in select scenes. And I don't know who the hell was pitching that because that was the dumbest thing ever. Because I, no one wants to sit and watch the scene of your movie. It's like the, I know that every distributor that I and I know tons wants to see a trailer and then they want to follow up with the link to the movie. That's it. That's how it works. It's like trailer and then link. So if you come in and you say, you know, we'd love to talk to somebody in acquisition, and they say, great, and you show that, can I show you the trailer? You show them the trailer, pitch the movie a little bit, say what's great about it, and if they say, great, love to see a screener, that's the best you're going to get right there. That's like the best result, and that's what your, your goal is for AFM or Cannes or Berlin to get a bunch of those. And if you can get it, you know, um, immediately right to the person, you never know. Sometimes you can get an offer by the end of the market. Um, but most of the time it's going to be after the market. You know, once they collect everything and you just got to stay on top, you got to follow up. And they watch the movie and they like it, and there you go. Okay. All right. So now how long should a trailer be? There's so many people saying under two minutes or two minutes and 20 seconds. Or what What do you think? I like, you know, I, well, I like more like under three. You know, I've seen ones that were over two minutes that still kept the attention, but, yeah, under two is probably a better rule, I would say. You know, like, it's not going to kill anybody if it's three. But I've seen it where it's, it, people have come in with five- or six-minute trailers, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, this is, this is too much, you know. So, you know, everybody's time is kind of pressed there. Everybody's thinking about the next meeting and, you know, and, and uh, you know, just think. And it, all these distributors are watching so many trailers during the day nonstop, and including their own, you know what I mean? Time, I've, I'll be playing the trailers that we have over and over for this for uh, buyers so you know watching trailers is not you know you want to make sure that you're getting in and out so under two minutes is probably best two and a half probably the max i would say okay two and a half max yeah yeah okay yeah that sounds great all right well you know indiegogo is saying 2.20 so you're right uh, right there with what they're saying mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a football game these days on what, where to have your trailer, what link. But that's very important. Okay, so you get in and they see your trailer, and then you've got to you have exchanged business cards now, right? Or hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. And you know that's the kind of thing is that is completely acceptable at all these markets for you know somebody to say. I mean you. Uh, if you're if you're a shy person, you can walk into all these places <laughs> and just say, "Hey, can I get the business card of whoever does acquisitions?" And you don't have to show them anything. I mean, I don't know why you would just want to do that, but it, I mean, you could be effective that way and get you know go to thirty companies and get thirty acquisition business cards and then just follow up with everybody. You know, look, I would say obviously it's better to pitch in person and you know and tell them about your film right there because then you maybe remember the person and you go, "Oh, this person." friendly and good to work with, you know, but it's doable to just go in and, you know, who's your acquisitions person? You know, we have our business cards right out in the front. So sometimes I just see people come in, like just step in a little bit because we're in the back of the room and, you know, look at the business cards, grab one and leave, you know, so I see that happen all the time. 
uh, you know, people that don't want to, you know, maybe they're shy or, or afraid to take the next step. So, but yeah. Yes. And maybe their film isn't developed enough yet, but they want, they're planning the future. All of these things are very important. So, yes, that's you really, can always yeah, look for tables inside the room, right? 100% true. I mean, if they say you didn't, that, that's a great point. If you didn't even have anything ready, a film not ready, or, you know, you have a screenplay or you have a documentary idea, you could still go to AFM and get the contact information for 30 people and maybe introduce yourself to some people, uh, you know, say hello, put the name to the face, all that stuff, so that when you do have it ready, you go back. And, and I'm saying this from experience because they're obviously in 13 years, uh, nine of them were as a filmmaker, and then the last ones were as, uh, you know, as Glasshouse. But I would say, you know, out of those nine years, maybe only four times, I would think, that I actually have filmed. The other times were just making more connections, seeing people re-upping connections that I already had, you know, that type of thing. But, yeah, that's, that's very smart for somebody to just kind of walk around and, and, and meet people and get business cards. Meet people, get business cards for the future when your film is ready for distribution, right? Totally. I just had somebody email me, I think it was either this morning or last night, and just say, yeah, we met last year at AFM. I want to let you know my movie's done. Uh, love you to take a look at it. So it's, it's so funny. So it's like we met a year ago, and now they finally got their movie ready. And I love hearing that, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's music to my ears and yours, too, because yes. we all want 100%. to see it completed. So yep. this is this is a good way. So it's the beginning for for filmmakers who are working on a film. They could be in any stage of production. So uh, and you really recommend filmmakers go so you get to know about distribution and who the distributors are, right? Yeah, you get to see the players of the game, and you also get to see an idea of how this business works on the independent level. And it's really a smart thing to do. You know, I used to say every actor should go to AFM so that they realize that their value is, is maybe not what they think it is. You know, when you see, you know, all these posters and you're seeing movies with like legit cast, you know, nothing, not major A-list, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you have these Al Pacino movies and you have, um, uh, you know, uh, Nick Cage and, and things like these in these movies. And so you see this and you go, Oh my God. Like, so I've never heard of this movie and you go, okay, this is so it, it's good for filmmakers to see that one movies can be made, uh, you know, with cast that's in them. And two, uh, you know, that it's probably not the best idea to just go and say, well, you know, we can make an independent film with just the people we have here and no cast needed and blah, blah, blah. Cause then you got to see the competition and you also see what movies people are buying, people are selling stuff like that. So it's just good to get the lay of the land if your intention is not just to make a movie and put it on the shelf, you actually want to do something with it, then it's really smart to see it. Yes. It's, it's like, it's a distribution class. Actually, you learn yeah, what's happening. It really is. Right now. Yeah, and yeah. then how do people follow up with you once they come and see you? What's the, uh, the filmmaker's next step to follow up afterwards? Well, I mean, the key would be to state to, to create the relationship with the acquisitions person. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you don't get to meet him or her right there, uh, follow up immediately and, you know, just, uh, I guess, again, following up is something that I've always prided myself on as a key to my success is just staying on top of somebody and, hey, did you get a chance to check out the screener or did you get a chance to check out the trailer? You know, and so you create the relationship and just continually, without being a pest, follow up. But, you know, never, never give up on that. I, I mean, 
months later when, you know, on the 17th contact to a person is sometimes when I get the response that I was looking for, you know. So uh, I never kind of let anybody go. And I think that's the greatest tip is that so you come in there, you meet me, or, or uh, actually it, it wouldn't be me because we have an acquisitions guy. Um, it, uh, David Josh Lawrence is his name. And you come in there and you meet David and, you know, say, oh, great, I'll show you the film. And then you follow up, hey, you get a chance to watch the film and you stay on top of that person. That's the best way to do it. Yes. And I think what you were saying, because I'm at the other end sometimes, people are always asking me to watch their trailers or read their proposal. And when they come back Mm -hmm. to me and say, did you get a chance to do it? I think, oh, no, I didn't. I'm so sorry. So I I run and do it and answer them. And and that's okay. It doesn't bother me. I'm rather glad they did that because I wouldn't want to miss it. So it doesn't hurt you to say that. Yeah, you, you got it. You, you know, it's like, well, we're busy people. And, you know, it's like busy people love the reminders. You know, it's almost like the squeaky wheel is the one that you attend to, you know. And it, it really is the truth is that uh, that has happened to me so many times where, I, you know, I've just there's – no, there's no reason. I'm not purposely ignoring anybody's movies or anything like that. It's just there's so much going on that you just got to follow up. And so following up is the key and staying on top of somebody. So, yeah, busy people actually like it, and they don't. They don't think about it as, oh, you're being annoying or anything like that. No, it's acceptable. Great. All right. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, I'd love it if you'd share some criteria that Glasshouse has for taking on a film so we get uh, the inside view of what you're looking Mm -hmm. for. So say you come in and you have the film and, you you know, you show the trailer and we say, all right, it looks good. You know, what we're doing is then checking out – the film itself. Now I will say that sometimes the trailers are not great. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't always stop it right there. That doesn't always mean, Oh, immediately we're out because if the film has certain cast and is, you know, say it won a bunch of festivals. Like I, I'm only saying this because this recently happened where we had a film come highly recommended to us, but I saw the trailer and I was like, Ugh. and then we, uh, I had David watch the movie, and I think actually Rob, who's our head of sales, also watched the film and thought it was excellent. So the reason it didn't stop us is because it came through a connection. It was highly recommended. It won a bunch of festival awards. And though the trailer was bad, we look at it and we go, all right, we're going to redo the trailer. Like, that's the first step we do. If we sign this movie, we have our trailer editor, and he's going he's to re-edit the movie. So that's just the first step. So the bad trailer doesn't really stop you. Now, I'm not saying that somebody, you know, cut a bad trailer, who cares? No, because obviously a good trailer is the complete opposite of that. That makes us immediately put it to the front and say, hey, you've got to watch this movie right away and check out if it's really good. You know, so that's, those are the criteria. You know, you may come in with this proposal. We see the cast that's in it or the idea of it, you know, if it's a documentary, the, the cause or whatever it is, um, and that just gets our attention. And so then we have to watch it, and at least two of us, have to be the first ones to say, you know, this is this is worth pursuing. And then once that happens, then it's a matter of us all watching the movie and, and kind of having a powwow on, on do we want to pick it up, and then that's it. You know, and, and again, you know, sometimes, too, you have to know as a filmmaker, films may not always fit the criteria. I just just showed somebody that this morning, and who knows, some people understand it and some people don't. You know, some people are just going to get mad at you no matter what. But he submitted a film to me, and it just didn't fit. It, it would be very tough for us to sell this movie, primarily because it has no cast. So it doesn't matter, if, and it's a little bit older. So it doesn't matter if the film is really good at that point. It's older. It doesn't have any cast. And I'm, honestly, I don't know if it would be that good. It looked like it was mediocre. So all of those things together 
it's like we can't, you know, we can't just take your film and you won't because we're going to cost us a little to put it out there, get a trailer, re-edit it, get the poster created, go to markets with it, and we may not make any money, you know. So, right, uh, and right. nobody will make any money. Who wants to do that? So, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Well, what's interesting to me, what you just said, was that two, if two people have liked it, then you're going to show it to the rest of the crew, which would be four yeah. people. Four people yeah. have to say yeah. they like it. And that makes sense because they're the ones that have to sell it. Yeah, yeah that's the key. I mean, there's been times where, uh, you know, look, at I, I'm the kind of end-all, like be-all, end-all decision-maker because I'm the president of the company. So there's been times where maybe Michelle – uh, who's the international head of international sales? Maybe she hadn't seen the film, which is it's okay. You know what I mean? But I'd rather have everybody see all of them so that because, you, like you said, you could pitch it a lot better. But you know, there's certain ones that people like as their own kind of darlings. You know what I mean? Like this is one that that say Rob brought in. He's really excited about. It. He's obviously going to sell that much better. You know, if he if he knows it and he's he's proud of it. So yeah. Yes, they have to have a connection to it. Well, and, and so this is why you really uh, have a hard time making deals at AFM or can because you've got to see the whole film before you are going to go to the next step. So how on earth can you uh, see people all day and then go watch films all night? Is that what you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, my like, gosh. That's why we have, you know, David as our acquisitions guy. You know what I mean? Like initially when the company started, yeah, I was watching all these movies and yeah, it's very tough. <laughs> and you know, it's like, you got to hold my attention for a certain amount. And obviously after, you know, 20 minutes, if I'm going, oh, this is not working, I'm going to turn it off. But you know, David is our guy that you have to, you have to impress him first. And once you impress him, so it's kind of like, you know, having somebody cover do coverage on a strip. First, you got to get by the reader before you get to the next, you know, level and the next, kind of step up the chain so yeah i think it was warner who said who always used what he called the fanny test in other words if he started squirming in his seat after about 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes he said no this isn't any good yeah that's, well that's yeah what you know, him because buyers are just gonna you know look and, and a lot of times you know when you do screenings at these markets it's hysterical because some buyers will come in and they just leave, you know, and it's like, they don't care. They know, they know they got to get to the next film. And by the way, the joke is that doesn't always mean they won't buy it. Sometimes they go, they sat through 20 minutes and they go, that's good enough. We got it. Like, that's all I need to know. It's good enough for us to buy. You know, it's got, it checks enough boxes. We can sell it and then they'll make an offer on the movie. So that's interesting too. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Well, so David is the one who sees thousands of film every year. That's great. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he watches a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, um, okay, so let me go to Netflix because that's such a big player now. Being a fiscal sponsor for so many filmmakers, they all say, they well, a large percentage come to me and say, okay, this is a perfect film for Netflix. And I, I think mm-hmm. to myself, yes, but Netflix will, doesn't take films for first-time filmmakers. So that's what I've heard. Is that true? Do you know? Well, no, I mean, look at well directly from first-time filmmakers. That's yeah, that would probably be a tough thing. I can't say that they won't, but you know, it directly is is tough to get in with them. You need to go to a sales company that has an in with Netflix. Like we've sold movies, like we we sold a film to Netflix by a third first-time filmmaker, and it's so because we're you know we're we have the audience with them, and you know we have a, a connection there. So 
we sold that. You know, the key is Netflix pays the best money when they're making their own stuff. That's where their money's really being spent. Um, when we did uh, the sale of the film, it was they wanted exclusive, and we got it to non-exclusive, but they were paying $25,000 for the U.S. rights exclusively wow. to the film. And so we said, are you crazy? And we said, do you want to do non-exclusive? Great. And we did a non-exclusive deal. So we sold the film in tons of other places in the U.S., but it was like, so they weren't paying much at all. Um, obviously, like I said, that was for a first-time filmmaker, but still. So, you know, but it's also a badge of honor to say you're on Netflix. But again, Netflix really puts the money into their own original content. That's what they do. The, you know, that's really where they're, they're spending their money. Same with Amazon. Well, so if you uh, so you did a non-exclusive, uh, meaning you could sell it any place else uh, except yeah. online, right? No, no, we we kept we we sold it to um, you know Amazon. I mean, we we didn't sell it to Amazon. We we had it on Amazon, like we had direct you know connections with those. Uh, so we had it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. I think we had it on Vudu. So we had a bunch of other outlets that we went on. You know, and so. Netflix, you know, the, the, the new kind of windows these days are this, you know, usually theaters and then pay-per-view and, you know, everything like that, you know, then they went to DVD. Now it's the windows are primarily these VOD windows, which are TVOD, which is transactional VOD. And then there's the, the window behind that is this um, subscription VOD. And Netflix falls under subscription VOD, just like Hulu does, just like Amazon Prime does. Um, transactional is your, um, you know, iTunes, uh, Voodoo, uh, even Amazon has transactional at the beginning. So what, what I'm getting at, and then by the way, on a complete side note, the third step is a VOD advertising based video, uh, video on demand. But the, going back to the transactional, if you, if you skip that window and you're on Netflix first, you know, it's tougher because I mean, I know I, I have subscriptions to Netflix. I got Amazon prime and I got a Hulu. So, I decide, oh, I want to watch this movie. The first thing I'll do is check if it's on Netflix or Hulu because that's subscription VOD, and I'm already paying for that. You know, I'm paying a monthly fee, so then the movie becomes free for me. This literally just happened to me the other night, and I found that it was free on Netflix. I'm like, great, here's where I'm watching it. You know, and then if I didn't, I'd go back, and then I'd pay for it on iTunes. You know, and most of the time, iTunes, I do Voodoo, I do every once in a while. So, but the key is that's why you got to start with that window because no one wants to go back and pay for it on iTunes or Vudu if it's free on Netflix or free on Hulu. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, makes a lot yeah. of sense. I yeah. understand. Yeah. So how do you get into Netflix to with your film for them to produce it? How does that work? Um, I would say in that case, you really have to have a connection, and that's on the development and production side of that. Um, you know, look, there may be people at, the AFM that have direct in to Netflix, you know, t- tell them that you come in and you, you're pitching them on your movie. If you get them excited, you say, Hey, listen, do you have ins with Netflix, you know, and, and see what they say. Cause some of them may have those direct ins. We have an indirect in the production side, as far as making films on Netflix. So we have, you know, the person who knows the, the, that person. And so we're trying to get in there with our original productions. Obviously that's outside of glass house. These are for my trick candle, which is my, um, production company, but yeah, I mean, you, you just basically got a partner, you know, and, and find somebody that has those connections and get them excited about your project. Right. 
Yeah, exactly, and get them excited about your projects. Well, you've got such a good history with Trick Candle that you should be able to get in there. But it, I bet it's going to – you just have to keep knocking on the door, don't you? That's it. You just have to – you know, it's like we have a, a couple different people that can walk it in. It's just finding the right project that they want at the time, you know, and they uh, they have different mandates and, and different things that they're looking for. So it's just the, a lot of it's timing and, and, and the actual project itself. And the project. Well, um, mm-hmm. okay, so you really recommend that filmmakers go to AFM because it's so much cheaper than to go to France, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, France, we were just talking about that the other day, that the eating, the food bill alone in France is, is, is insane. You know, just because everything there is just, you know, uh, exponentially more to eat. You know, I tell people to go to AFM because, um, obviously, you're not flying out of the country, so there's no passport or anything. There's crazy flights. Some of the people that, you know, a lot of filmmakers live in L.A. already, so I say go for it that way. Um, you know, there was another reason I was telling people uh, to go to AFM, and unfortunately that reason doesn't exist anymore. And that reason was it used to be free to walk in and walk around and hang at the bar and even hang at the pool. Um, and the first two floors, four and five, had you know, you could just walk around. Um, I think... Two years ago or two or three years ago, they stopped the pool area. So the people without the badges could just walk around the bar and the fourth and fifth level. Uh, but then, actually, even only part of the fifth level, there's part of the fifth that's, that's closed off to buyers, um, but the rest, you know, there's exhibits and stuff like that. Um, but now, as of this year, they made it you can't even get into the hotel if you don't have a badge. So um, we'll see how that changes everything. You know, it might be there's maybe a lot less people at the bar. But um, look, I do believe 100% that they should invest in at least a back half pass or failing that, a day pass. You can buy just one day pass, you know, for Saturday or Sunday. Great. Do that. Just come in for one day, you know, whatever it is, a couple hundred bucks, $250. That, I mean, how much is that worth to you to get distribution for your film? $250 for, you know, 20 connections? Man, that, that's pretty damn good in my opinion. You know what I mean? You're paying $2.50 yes. connections. Uh, I think that, that's that's worth the value. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, tell us about Can. You go every year, and you went as a filmmaker. So start with why you went as a filmmaker. Yeah, the first time I went, um, I went as a filmmaker. Um, actually, I'm trying to think. That might have not have been the first time. The first time I went might have been as a consultant uh, on uh, a mutual friend, Carol Naramal, uh, back. Yes. Uh, them. Yeah, so that, that, I think, looking back, I think that, that was the first time. This, this is number either five or six. I think it was sixth time I've been to Cannes, um, but I might be confusing it because, I, you know, the, um, the MIP TV and MIPCOM, which are the TV markets, they are also in Cannes. So I know I've been there six times, but it might have been five for the festival and one for MIP TV, which is in April. Um, funny enough, MIPCOM which is the biggest TV market, is going on right now, and it goes on until uh, Thursday. So anyway, um, yeah, the first time I went, I went there, and, you know, it's like, you know, the best part of Cannes is that it's a lot more open. If you walk the floor in Cannes, you can just walk. I mean, they're, they're boots. They're not rooms. Like, AFM can be a little bit tough to, you know, it, they're gatekeepers, and there's people stopping you at the front because, you know, it's a room, and then people, sales agents can hide in the back of the room. Uh, can it's a little tougher to do that because they're just booths and you just kind of walk in the booth and it's like an open floor, truly like a trade show. If you've been, if anybody's ever been to a trade show or like a comic con or something like that, it's just like that. 
And so it's, it's definitely funny enough an easier access it can. But, again, I don't think that AFM is tough access if you're friendly and you walk in and you say you're just looking for the acquisitions person, you know. And so uh, you try to set up meetings, and I think that um, it's just, you know, people are expecting you to do that. So it's not that bad anyway. But, uh, you know, again, CAN is great. CAN is magical. You know, it's, to me, it's, a, it's my, one of my favorite cities in the world because it's 50% L.A. and 50% Paris. And that, to me, is the best way to describe it. And, uh, you know, I just I love the place. And it's obviously expensive, but it's, it's also a magical um, and beautiful time. Yeah, it is magical. It truly is. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So um, just to wrap this up now, let's. I want to go back to sure. Glasshouse Films, and I want you to tell us the type of uh, films that you're looking for for anyone who's mm-hmm. listening to the call and what, uh, what they can do and how they can contact you. Great. Yeah. If, you know, I'll tell you right now, um, if they, they want to check out one of the, check out the website, glasshousedistribution.com, and check out the films that we already have. Um, and then as well, uh, David Lawrence, James Jess Lawrence is our acquisitions person. That I'll give his email address, david at glasshousedistribution.com, so they can always send the film there. And the key would be to send a trailer to him. And, again, if you have a movie with cast, great. That's, that's the first qualification. Um, failing that, if there's film festivals that they won, you know, you, you describe all that stuff. And, you know, that, those are kind of the two main things. Obviously, if the movie's really good, that, that, that's the, the essence of everything. So uh, that's, that's what we do. We take a look at them that way. But um, that's the first step. And now we're just one company. You know, anybody can go to uh, Sinando, which is C-I-N-A-N-D-O, and sign up for a, uh, a membership there. And you can, you can literally filter down. Uh, which sales companies are looking for documentaries, like what they sell. And you can make a, you can make a list right from Sonando and just one by one email every person on that list, you know, so you can get some action that way. Um, again, you, you can reach out to us, but we're, we're one specific company. Uh, there's a tons of company, there are tons of companies out there, and hopefully you can find what we call like a quote-unquote home for your movie. Right. Find a home for your movie. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, what else can you tell filmmakers in closing, Tom? We so sincerely thank you for all this information. Oh, great. Well, I would say that, you know, do your homework on every distributor because they're, you know, I won't deny that there's people out there that are going to try to take your money and, you know, and do nothing with your movie. So your best bet is to never ask them for connections. That's just the, you know, I've always found that practice to be, completely self-defeating if you know the, the people that you're applying for a job and you say they say could you give us some references it's like well of course you're going to give them good references you know what i mean so that's, i think that's a ridiculous thing to do in the first place but i do say that for this you know say you're talking to xyz uh films and funny enough i made that up but there's an actual company called xyz so i'm not i'm not <laughs> talking about xyz films let's just say abc one two three films and so you're going to them and you um uh, they, they, you could find them out on Sonando, see what other films they've done, and then reach out to the producers of those other films. I literally just had somebody do that, um, asking about a company, VMI, worldwide, because they sold a movie that I produced called Shattered. And a person just reached out and said, hey, what did you think about VMI? And I gave them my opinion, which was like, you know, I thought they were really good and they did a good job. And so, but I'm happy to give the opinions of the places that I that you should run from. So, 
you know, the key is to always reach out to other makers and, um, and, and, and that's your best bet as far as qualifying it. So just be careful in that sense. But you can get a good feel of people at the market. So definitely go to the market. Um, you know, I, I'd always say, too, it's smart to take into account those, you know, the, the references, like when you're putting the films together, like for book, for film funding. Um, my book's not available anymore, which was bankroll, but um, you could go to bankrollyourmovie.com, and that's every single thing uh, that was in bankroll and expanded. It's really the third edition, but now it's all on video. So it's bankrollyourmovie.com. And what I'm saying about both of those references is that, you know, it's, it's kind of showing you how to shape your film in the beginning so you're putting yourself in the best possible scenario. You know, it's like you, you want to stack the deck in your favor so that when you're walking into AFM, you're walking into something with something that we want to see and we can sell and we can all be successful. Oh, that sounds great. Bankrollyourmovie.com. And that's yeah. got everything the book had, which I loved, because it teaches everyone how to put together a good deck or business plan, which is what you need to sell your film. That's in there, right? Everything, yeah, everything. Over five hours of stuff, of videos. That you know, the best part is you can just go back and just keep watching them over and over again. You get access for a lifetime, and yeah, it comes with the business plan um, that you can use for your your actual movie. So that's that's really a smart move, just in general, attacking the deck in your favor before you even go in there. So, yeah, fantastic, Tom. Well, what are you working on personally? Any can you share any films you're producing right now? Well, sure. I had a film, you know, come out earlier this year that hashtag screamers, as uh, Claire mentioned in the beginning. And then, so we're uh, working on the sequel to that movie and getting that funded and going. Um, as well, I produced a film called Trauma Therapy uh, with Brian Krause and, uh, from Charm and Chase Coleman from the originals. And that is still in post and that's being finished. And, you know, we have multiple films in development. Uh, you know, I have a graphic novel that's being produced. So there's a bunch of stuff that's pushing forward and it's usually the way it works is what, what has the energy behind it. Like I kind of try to sit back and look and see what's getting the energy and, and then whatever one I feel gets the energy, then I, I put everything in there. So there you go. Way to go. And a sequel to Screamers. What a great idea. Yeah. You know, the most profitable genre is sequel. <laughs> so uh, that's, yes. that's really what we're going for. Yep. <laughs> Okay, Tom. So um, I'm going to say one more time, bankrollyourmovie.com. I think this is a great way for people to check out that information so that when they do go to Cannes or uh, American Film Market that you really that you have your business plan with you should you need it because a lot of people yeah. want to see more about it. Thank you so yeah. much, Tom, for your time and okay. all of your energy. We sincerely appreciate your gifts daily to filmmakers. Thanks. Oh, always happy to talk to filmmakers and always happy to give the best advice I can. So hopefully if they listen and they, they want to come, uh, come stop by at AFM and say hello. Okay. That's room 640? Yes. Okay. Thank you so Great. much, Tom. Best okay. Thank you. All right. Take care, girl. Thanks, okay. Claire. Uh-huh. Bye. Yes. Thank you, Tom. Be well, Thank everyone. Okay. And to our Sorry. listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are grateful for we the donations are. you've given at FromTheHeartProductions.com to support our podcast. Carol and I sincerely thank you, and we'd love to hear from you with your ideas for more shows. 
So what are some of the topics that you would like covered? And who do you want interviewed? We're always open to your feedback, so just let us know. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.